0: Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders. To help you raise the bar on your own excellence. To release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. This is Hugh Ballou, your host, founder, and president of CenterVision Leadership Foundation, where we build synergy as leaders with our teams through our common vision. And I've got a longtime friend and member of the Center Vision community and a, a powerful influencer in my life and other people's lives, was on the show uh, a while back, but he's got another story to tell, more to go into. So I want to welcome Daniel Hodges back to the Nonprofit Exchange. So Daniel, Tell people a little bit about your background and why you're doing this work in this nonprofit you founded, Pieces of Me.
1: And thank you so much, you, for having me back. So, I am a father of three. I am uh, the graduate graduate from the University of Baltimore School of Law. I've got my bachelor's in education, and like you said, I founded co uh, founded Pieces of Me Foundation with my cousin Christy. Back in 19, 2019, and I worked to you know stand up the nonprofit by night while I was finishing law school by day, and I also happen to be someone who is blind from birth, as well as having some pretty serious orthopedic and other um, chronic illness issues. And you know the reason that's exceptional is because. The successes I mentioned to you—parenthood, graduating college, graduating law school—they were not expected of me by the doctors or professionals growing up. They, you know, the the general line was, "Well, maybe he'll graduate high school. Maybe he won't. Uh, maybe he'll just be, you know, at home, you know, watching football all day and not doing much else." I mean, I had one professional tell my parents when I was a teenager that all I'll ever be able to do is paying chairs or do other menial labor, I won't be able to go on and do any of the things I have. So I do the work I do because I want to help other people with disabilities, whether they are born with them or whether they acquire them late in life, that the expectations the world say we have to live up to or in most cases down to are often wrong. There is hope. There is a pathway to live out your full potential, and the world is better off when we all strive to find the limits of our own capabilities and then push beyond.
0: And there are misconceptions. Um, we we um, who are um, have sight and have our, our our use of our limbs, and some people don't. We call ourselves able, and we call others disabled. And it's really, um, you met uh, one of our former guests on the not probably Exchange, Tory Lucas, who wrote a book about dissing ability. And it's really thinking about, we all have abilities, and we want to have access to the table. You know, I, I um, served Christian churches as music directors for 40 years, and one of my favorite hymn writers was Fanny Crosby, who wrote 8,000 hymns, and she was blind from birth, and Wrote an autobiography at 91. I think we wrote it at 95 because she'd done a lot and traveled the world. You traveled the world. You came to Lynchburg and spoke at our symposium. So before I go into defining what really inclusiveness is, what are some of the misconceptions that we have? We, we know that we have a misconception about the word nonprofit and we have the scarcity thinking, but on the topic of today, which is flipping our mindset regarding inclusion, from obligation to opportunity. So talk a little bit about that title and talk a little bit about some of our misconceptions.
1: Well, I'm gonna list um, three rapid fire. The first is that, you know, okay, we have the Americans with Disabilities Act problem solved, not so much. Misconception um, number two is that, you know, becoming more accessible and becoming more inclusion inclusive are burdens. Their obligations to be managed. Their you know their cost prohibitive. All of these other things, and while they may require an initial investment in time, effort, and treasure, you know there's a there's a, a bountiful amount of research out there that shows that the investment pays off in spades over time. And misconception number three is. You know, if I bring somebody with disability into my nonprofit or my place of worship, that I'm doing them a favor by just saying, hey, welcome to, you know, welcome, we're glad to have you. Sit in the corner over here and we'll serve you. And in reality, it's so far from the truth because there is an intrinsic need inside of, I believe, all of us to serve, to be part of reciprocity, to really belong in a way that values the gifts and talents we bring to the table. And so this mindset of, you know, oh, well, you're here for us to serve you and the, and the equation stops there really is based on a misconception of what we have to offer and what we're looking for in our relationships.
0: Wow. So <clears throat> we have the, the the official programs in, in America called DEI. And the i stands for inclusion they want to talk about diversity and it from where i sit there is diversity already in the culture and i think the key component to that and 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 we won't get into the political ramifications of that program but it's been hijacked sometimes for for political and personal gain when really it's an important paradigm important principle to have inclusiveness so what is inclusion and can you describe that for us?
1: So if you if you use the term inclusion or belonging, which is the, the word I have started to uh, pivot more towards, it's not just about letting somebody into the space, whether it be physical or virtual, it goes so much deeper than that. It is saying, I value what you bring to the table. So I'm going to do my best to leverage the things that you bring and to eliminate or reduce the barriers that would keep you from fully participating. So things like accessibility, things like becoming you know, conscious of meeting people where they are, um, and, 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 and. Things like leveraging people's gifts and talents are all wrapped up through reciprocity into the topic of belonging or inclusion, because it's much more than simply saying, "Well, you're here. You're stuck in the corner somewhere. We'll pat you on the head every once in a while, and we've now checked that box."
0: Check the box done. We do that in many ways, but this is <laughs> this is a, an area that we do not give attention to, um, and many times don't aren't really aware that we're not giving any attention to it. Um, so. Um, Say a little more about um, inclusion and the the scarcity mindset that that we have about that.
1: So from, there's a couple of key things that happen. One, as I've touched on already, is people look at, well, I may have to install the ramp or I may have to get my website updated to be um, you know, fully compliant with the web content accessibility guidelines so that screen readers can use it. And we, we stop at thinking about the cost or maybe just the effort of, of changing our behavior or mindset. And those are real concerns. I don't, I don't want to downplay that, but what we often miss is when we stop there, we stop remembering that, um, by making these investments, we are opening the doors for people to really come in and enrich what we're doing. If it's a business, you know, for-profit business, it's you know, these are things that boost the bottom line. If it's a place of worship or nonprofit, you know, the cultural uh, benefits that come from bringing in a diversity of perspectives and experiences really enriching that environment. Um, you know. I think along with that, we we get caught up in this mindset of accessibility or inclusion may lower standards. You know, well maybe will maybe will drop off some of the expectations in order to be more inclusive, and that to me is not real inclusion. Um, if it's a material requirement, then that then it ought to be upheld. Now, how one meets that requirement maybe, you know, up for some modification. For instance, as a law student, it was expected of me to be able to read, digest, analyze, and utilize the material that was presented in my classes. That expectation did not change, even though my modality for reading went from being a physical printed textbook to an electronic version in Word or PDF or on the Amazon Kindle, the core expectations remain the same. So really that speaks to the fact that a real belonging advocate believes in meritocracy, but meritocracy that allows us to make, to compete or to thrive on all of the material elements of whatever we're striving for.
0: Meritocracy. That's not a word we use a lot, is it?
1: it? Especially in this space, because we've kind of learned to treat meritocracy as a bad word, and it's not. Meritocracy simply means that we're allowing people to live out the best of their gifts and talents, and to place them, place the people and the organizations in, in a position to succeed but also doing it in a way where um, we're being open-minded about the process for demonstrating merit, demonstrating gifts and talents so that we're not inadvertently screening out really well-qualified applicants or well-qualified participants based on inclusion or accessibility barriers as opposed to screening out people based on maybe they're not the right fit for a particular thing that we're going for.
0: So it's it's leadership is based on relationship um, as part of our principles and center vision, as you know, and we were on a call today with uh, community members and we share wisdom with one another. And you shared a little bit about what what um, you're going to talk about today. And I thought you got some great responses. What did you think?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And- i think there's a desire um there's a desire to learn there's a desire to engage in these conversations i find a lot in you know when i'm when i'm discussing this off to the side with people that maybe there's a little hesitancy because we don't want to say or ask the wrong thing um you know nobody wants to get canceled nobody wants to get accused of being a bigot and i get that and heaven knows i run into my own stories of discrimination and bias and some really challenging things I've had to overcome by virtue of misconceptions, but I also recognize that if we can't engage in authentic, sometimes very raw conversations, it is impossible for me or other advocates to meet people where they are so that we can dispel some of those myths and misconceptions.
0: Oh, very well put. You have the ability to talk about difficult t- topics without being critical or negative about some of the stuff that's gone on at, uh, in the past. So it's, um, I think it, it helps us listen in a new way. Um, so let's talk about it's, it's already a problem for leaders to figure out engagement. And we tend to want to bring in the people we like and know and trust. And so we got this circle of people who are going to be yes people around us because that's where our comfort level is. And you spoke a minute ago about the discomfort. So we're, we're, we're talking and I have some experience of working in the dark because I don't know if you remember 20 years of my life. I owned a photo a camera store and photo lab and in color photo labs it's dark. <laughs> there, there's no light. you might have a little little highlight where the the switch is for the the light when you're done but um, gotta learn a different set of skills which really sharpens up our perceptions but but how do we learn how to engage people in a meaningful way and this this isn't only, about um, people who are blind or deaf or with other challenges. It's about everybody, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, and the the first thing I always tell people is, it is not only okay to be curious, it is actually sometimes advantageous to be curious, but I wanna differentiate curiosity from skepticism. Curiosity starts off by saying, I believe you can do this and I would love to learn how. Skepticism, by the by, you know, by contrast, says, "Well, if I close my eyes, I can't do this. Therefore, there's no way you can do this either." You know, kind of obviating all of the training, all of the you know things I've learned over the years. And you know, um, I think as a leader, the other thing to, to focus on is if you want to fully engage people with disabilities, or I think really anyone, you start by asking, what are this person's gifts and talents? We talk about how we feel like everyone has gifts and talents. Okay, let's, let's, let's live out what we believe. Let's assume talents, gifts, potential, brilliance. Let's find it, let's identify it, and then let's then figure out how to leverage it for the, for the purpose of our common goal, Once we have done that, then our conversation about accessibility takes on a completely different tone because then we're saying, we know this person is going to add so much to what we're doing. It just doesn't make sense not to figure out how to get rid of the unnecessary barriers to to let them shine. As opposed to by saying, well, if we have to be accessible, what's in it for us? It just flips that paradigm all the way around because we know that everyone's going to benefit when we start from that mindset.
0: So, how do we, um, um, if we don't know people as leaders who uh, have disabilities, how do we network and find capable leaders, regardless of of how they how they show up in society?
1: Well, I'm I'm a big proponent of saying reaching out to organizations like mine, pieces of me or other organizations who are similarly out there promoting full inclusion and access for people with disabilities, particularly those that are disability led. I'd be hard pressed to find an organization out there doing the work who isn't, you know, very interested in saying, oh, you want to, you want to be connected with thought leaders in our space? Yeah, let's see how we can help you. Because again, that is, it's best for all involved. So reaching out in your network, reaching out to organizations who are vested in promoting this mindset and again, being really curious and, you know, treat it like, you know, treat it like a treasure hunt as opposed to something that is burdensome. And I think those doors will open up for you.
0: So, you, um, what was behind the the reason for starting your own uh, nonprofit? Well, nobody owns it, but starting the Pieces of Me Foundation. What's behind that, and what do you? What's the purpose of it?
1: So, um, I'll start by by explaining the spelling of it, and then that will lead into a more fulsome answer of your question. So we spell pieces, P-E-A-C-E-S, as you know, as in as in peace, finding it, growing it, world peace, inner peace, those sorts of things. And we did it that way because Christy and I had found so many times in our lives that people, ourselves, our family, others that we cared about were being treated as though. If you had a disability, you were missing something, you were broken or somehow incomplete. And so we started this organization with the philosophy in mind that as we discover to embrace and grow who we are and to meet other people where they are, there is so much potential to create real, lasting, sustainable solutions, not by quote unquote, fixing anyone, but by saying, You are beautiful. You are brilliant the way you are. Let's connect together. Let's lift one another up. And let's really create the kind of change that carries momentum and meets people where they are and really expands on all of the great things that are out there.
0: So it's pieces, P-E-A-C-E, which, like you said, is peace. Piecesofme.org because it is a 501c3 organization. And on your website, it says our mission, and kudos to you, Pieces of Me works to eliminate stigma associated with disability, physical difference, and chronic illness by providing resources and connections to individuals, families, and appropriate training to professionals in these spheres. So a big piece occurs to me Um, Since I've known you, you've helped educate me on the need, on the opportunities, on the values here. So it, it seems like like everything we do, we need to be educated in a different track. So what are the challenges for us as leaders in learning here? It's an educational journey for us to learn how to maximize what we're talking about.
1: Well, you know... And our and our vision is similar in that you know we're transforming society's understanding of disabilities and differences, so that all individuals have the opportunity to reach their full potential. And the lack of opportunity, the stigma, all arise from the societal perceptions that are baked in regarding what disability means, uh, regarding what inclusion looks like. And so the challenge is is really, my challenge is, is finding people to engage in those small conversations where I can say, this is a safe space. Don't worry about me getting offended. I am here to learn with you. Because by the way, the other thing is, I have learned so much as an advocate by, te- by talking with other leaders on what their hangups are, what their fears are. And so our biggest hurdle is the idea that we already know how how the story goes and our biggest opportunity is how much amazing how many amazing lessons we have yet to be able to learn together and just how exciting that can be over the long haul
0: um and you've worked on a vision statement let me read that's on your website as well pieces of me foundation is transforming society's understanding of disabilities, differences, and chronic illnesses, so that all individuals have the opportunity to reach their full potential. Uh, So what's happened in my life since I've known Daniel Hodges is you've helped me um, in a very gentle way, but a very inclusive way to understand. uh, What's the word you use instead of inclusive? Belonging the belonging piece which is a very gracious word and we all want to belong and and so that's that's a really powerful vision statement transforming society's understanding um that's maybe what we're all about the nonprofit world what challenges have you had if you want to share any we're almost at the end of this really helpful interview it, you know, people think, "Oh, I'm gonna start a nonprofit. This guy did it. He just started it, and everything get aboard and everything's magic. You know, what what are some of the challenges that you would caution people to you know cover the bases when they're starting up a nonprofit?
1: Well, it is um it is a tremendous amount of work. Um you know, I you know, Christy and I started this, you know right before. COVID and the recession and everything else set in. And so, you know, funding is a challenge. Um, building the community is, you know, quite a challenge. And it's, it's you know, you have to learn. Sometimes your best friends are great team members. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes you have to learn where to put those boundaries in. Um, and I think, you know, identifying the kind of culture you want to have you know, is also a real concern, but really, I think what I've learned over the years is that as a leader, I'm going to I'm going to have moments where I pull a rabbit out of my hat. I'm going to have moments moments where I look back and say, "Man, I wish I could have handled this better," because I I hope that I'm becoming a better leader every day. And so I think learning to give you know, we talk about giving our teams grace, which is always necessary, but learning to give ourselves grace as well. Let ourselves grow into these positions, let ourselves grow into our brilliance, and, and and surround ourselves constantly with people who are helping us look toward what is possible, as opposed to looking back or looking down toward the things we're trying to avoid. Always be looking onward and upward, and have the people who are in your circle who help you do the same, I think is such a critical point.
0: Good words, good words, good words. So I'm gonna let you make a final statement, a challenge or a thought for people to ponder. But before we do that, um, I wanna let people know they have an opportunity or have the the community open uh, for a while. We're welcoming new people to apply to be part of our CenterVision leadership community. And it's, it's it's focused on nonprofit leaders, but you know everybody needs leadership. But we do have a mix of of people with different backgrounds and different talents and um, and different focus uh, in the community. And we share wonderful wisdom. What is uh, so you can find it at nonprofitcommunity.org. So it's it's leadership, but nonprofit community and it in the community. We resonate. We learn from each other, and we have guided conversations and workshops and masterminds, all kind of opportunities. So, Daniel, what's what's one or two reasons that people should consider joining our community?
1: You know, there are a lot of things out in the world right now masculating, sorry, masquerading as leadership or strength or, um you know a, a positive way to you know move people in a certain direction and really they're they're not what they seem you know a lot of what we think of as leadership is really bullying or tyranny in you know nicer clothing what 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 people will learn about in the center vision community Is what leadership truly is that leadership is not compulsory leadership is consensus building and that is something that i knew i needed coming into the community a few years ago and i've gotten a deepening understanding of that in spades and i think that is really the value proposition here is learning that how to create a leadership culture in your organization that is built on what is real strength, which is synergy, which is consensus building, which is humility, and all of these other things that make a strong leader who can build a sustainable, ever growing culture?
0: Wow, that was profound! So, we uh invite people to come check it out, it's monthly. You can quit if it doesn't work for you, but uh, nonprofit community.org check it out there's a little information page there and you can click to apply to join and you'll be glad that you did. Daniel what do you want to leave people with today?
1: I'm going to I'm going to finish off by going back to that vision statement and discussing a two word phrase that I think is easily overlooked which is all individuals. You know when we think about all individuals It's so easy to say, oh, that probably means all individuals with disabilities, differences, or chronic illnesses. No, when I wrote all individuals there, I meant all individuals, and here's why. By transforming those understandings and opening the doors to real fulfillment, we are allowing people like myself to come in and elevate the experience of everybody in that room, whether or not they have a disability. Um, Hugh, I would hope you would tell, hope you would say that um, when I'm participating in in the community um, discussions, I'm elevating that conversation, whether I'm talking about disability or not, whether somebody has a disability or not, that my participation elevates that conversation. And assuming that's true, that is exactly the kind of example that I'm hoping to point toward when I say all, all individuals because real belonging means that we are elevating the experience for everyone. We are lifting everyone in our sphere of influence based on getting rid of some of these unnecessary barriers.
0: Profound, thank you. And uh, I would agree with you. and you also demonstrate um, a very strong, underutilized leadership skill of listening. So I commend you for that. And your contributions to the community are really enormous. Thank you, Daniel Hodges, for being our guest today on the Nonprofit Exchange.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for watching the Nonprofit Exchange.